to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Blessed is the reading of God's holy, infallible, and errant, powerful, and true word to our souls and minds. Father, we thank you for your holy, written word throughout Scripture through your apostle Paul and these verses here. Help me do justice to them so that the work of your spirit in the hearts of your people will be powerful, encouraging, Oh, allow your presence to continue with us by the Spirit to the glory of Jesus Christ and to the comfort of the souls of your children. Amen. This passage is clear and it's simple. The effect of a praying life is stated first in the negative, then in the positive. In the negative, he says the effect of a praying Christian, it's right there at the beginning of verse six. Do not be anxious about anything. Now, why do I say that's the effect of praying? Because the flow is simple. Not, there's the negative, don't be anxious, not this, but pray. And then positively, he says it this way in verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit, Paul promises that a life of intimately faithful prayer will bring protection from anxiety by the peace of God supernaturally coming into your hearts, your emotions, your mind. Dr. Paul, by the Holy Spirit, says the prescription for living a life free of debilitating and crippling anxiety is first in everything by prayer. Not just in crisis, 
but a, but a lifestyle, a mindset in your daily life, at work, in the home, in a church prayer meeting, while driving your car, make prayer. Make petitions. Make communion and intimacy with the Lord your everyday life. Yeah. So how do you do it? Paul gives us three terms here that are the key. The first is that prepositional phrase, in everything, by, and here's the word, prayer. Prasuge, by prayer. The word prayer here in the context, the way he is using it, is the big, broad word for a life of devotion to God, where your heart, your consciousness are toward him. You, you live that way. You walk that way. And the reason I say that's what he means here is because the next word he uses is, oh yeah, and this, supplication. Meaning, ask God for this and for that. So, prayer must be something more than merely petitioning Him. I think it is. It's a disposition of walking with the Lord or practicing the presence of God. That's the first term. The second term is that term translated in the ESV, supplication. Or another translation would be petition. say to petition him, to ask, Lord, please, this? Please don't allow that? I've already supplicated the Lord this morning at the beginning of this sermon that he would be working in us. And the third key term is the preposition with in the word thanksgiving. Meaning cloak your life of petitions, of communion, of worship, of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit with a, with a heart of gratitude, thanksgiving, a grateful disposition, asking of the Lord to do something is to always be accompanied with a disposition. I say it that way because, yes, sometimes we don't feel that. But you can say thank you to someone, right? And we don't mean it. And it's a good thing to train our children. Say thank you. And it's a good way to train us. Father, help me feel what I am to actually be thankful for in this moment. So in your walk, in praying, in just being with, in petitions, Cloak it all in thanksgiving. Because we Christians, this is Paul, this is what drives him. We have been mercifully plucked out of darkness. Chosen, called, 
to eternal salvation. And we are therefore to know that our Father's infinite wisdom in our prayers, even though, wait a minute, I, I would like you to do this, and the answer is no. Sometimes the answer is yes. In all of that, I am saved. You have magnificent promises laid up forever and ever and ever and ever. Oh, thank you. He says, when you live that way, when you walk prayerfully, cloaked with a heart of gratitude, I'm so thankful. Then he says, there is a peace that, that will guard your guts. It will guard your mind in such a way that defies rational explanation. That's what he says in verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That has to at least mean nothing changed this week in your horrible situation. How do you have peace? It surpasses understanding. Okay. That's our text. Here's the challenge. Do we believe it? When anxiety rises up in our hearts, do we believe what the Lord promises here? Let's put it into its context here. Every one of us who is an actual Christian, we love the Lord. That means there was a moment, whether you can pinpoint it or not, is not the issue. But there was a moment in your life where he came and raised you spiritually from the dead to be in new life in Christ. And at that moment, he placed you in his army. In a war. And there have been many battles you've already fought. And there will be many more battles ahead of you, which he is calling you to fight. Paul uses this terminology in his Timothy letters. Fight the good fight of faith. I have fought the good fight. I have kept the faith. Now there is laid up for me right ahead of me a crown. The Hebrew writer puts it like this. Dear soldiers, take care. Lest there be 
in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. He says, take, take heed. Battle against what? An evil, unbelieving heart. That's the enemy in the warfare. And Philippians 4, 6-7 is the five-star general, the Apostle Paul, giving the battle command. Fight against anxiety. Sinful anxiety. Last week, I argued that there's non-sinful anxiety, which is a help. It's a good thing. If you didn't hear it, you want to put it in context, it's out there forever on the internet. Hear it. But here, it's sinful anxiety. And it's huge because our anxiousness, which is flowing from sin or heart of unbelief, it's like a garden that can grow all kinds of other sins. For example, anxiety over finances can cause you to just wring your hands. Oh, no. How am I going to make ends meet? And then it grows and grows, and then it will cause you to justify hoarding up for yourself the first fruits that belong to the Lord, your creator, your provider, your savior. That anxiety kills your trust in Jesus' words. Seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added to you. Or it may cause a businessman to cheat and to deceive and to lie in the deal. Because i got to make ends meet, and that's how the game is played, and I have to do it. Everyone else is doing it. And anxiety over not having ends met drives and grows another plant of sin. Or anxiety over wanting people to really just want them to like me, and it drives you. To dishonesty. What would they like for me to believe? What would they like for me to say? Well, what's, what are they interested in? Let me pretend I'm interested in what they're interested in. And it's deceptive, but the anxiety just drives it. Or how often has the anxiety of singleness driven a Christian to straightforwardly disobey God, disobey the, the scripture by dating and marrying a non-Christian. I've tried to, to trust him, but now I'm too anxious. My biological clock is it's ticking, and this is the only offer I have. Anxiety. 
It's a whole garden of other sins that it produces when we're not battling against it. So let's get to the root of what this sinful anxiety really is. Because if we don't know what the root of that is, we don't know how to kill it and battle it. And we're not going to know how to kill all the fruit that it's producing in these other sins. So to do that, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 6. And let's hear the words of the Lord Jesus. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. The word of the Lord Jesus. I want you to notice Jesus says it, uses the word actually five times. It's the same Greek word that Paul uses in Philippians 4. Do not be anxious. In verse 25, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will put on. Verse 27, and which of you, by being anxious, remember last week, good anxiety at times produces good things. This doesn't produce anything. 
Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? Verse 31. Do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? Verse 34. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For when you get there, tomorrow will be anxious for itself. But sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Okay. But the verse here in Matthew 6 that clarifies the root of this anxiety is verse 30. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Jesus just said the root of this anxiety is a lack of trusting your heavenly Father. One of the results of a lack of faith is anxiety. Don't be anxious, Paul says, for anything. It is a command against the kind of anxiety that comes as a result of not trusting God's written promises in Scripture. But Paul doesn't stop at the command. He goes on, right, in our text in Philippians 4. Do not be anxious, but... Pray, pray to the Father who clothes the lilies of the field and feeds the birds. You, dear Christian, are of so much more value than they are. Pray to Him and peace will subside your anxiety. That's straightforward Bible. Now, we must be careful not to allow the beauty of what you just heard here from Jesus. We must be careful not to allow the beauty of the promise with the command to discourage you. What do I mean? I mean, I just thought I was a normal human being with an anxious disposition. And now you tell me I'm not trusting God. Don't allow that to happen. Let me just say right, right now, briefly, here's a parenthesis. We use the word anxiety in our psychological world. Uh for anxiety disorder and people that experience, I've known many, I've actually used hallucinogenic drugs to experience all of this too. 
where anxiety while you're driving in a car, everything's going fine, and all of a sudden you have to pull off the road and you have no idea where it came from. Just, I'm not saying that these promises won't deal with that. I'm saying I don't think that's what Paul has in mind at the moment, okay? He has in mind what we all know, you know. Am I going to pay the bills this month? What's going to happen to my child here? It's, it's conscious things that we're anxious about. What are you going to eat? What are you going to put on? Okay, got that? That's where we're going. The way, so when I say... When Jesus says, this is a sign of very little faith in you right now, don't let that discourage you. That is actually really, really good news if you hear it correctly. It's like someone who starts to experience back pain and goes for a week, just all the way down the leg and and within two weeks, he makes an appointment to go get an MRI and find out what's happening. And next week, the doctor calls him in and says, Okay, i got to tell you, in the picture, what we found is a cancerous tumor that's pinching on your nerve. And he feels, oh, I'm so discouraged. It's just bad news. And the doctor says, no, no, no. It's really good news. Most people would have gone for a year before they would have come in for that back pain. We found this cancer really early. You have a 99.99% chance of full recovery. It's actually good news. That's what we're supposed to hear when we hear Jesus' words. In Matthew 6, O you of little faith. Or we hear Paul's words, don't be non-trusting in God, causing you to be filled with anxiety. So the physician, he prescribes the treatment for that cancerous tumor. What is the treatment for us? Christians, how do we fight sinful anxiety, which is never totally cured in this life? You go through the therapy of the word of God. Here's here's Paul's prescription. In everything, Praying. That's the Christian life. Battling unbelief in our hearts. The diagnosis of the Word of God upon the Christian heart that we get from Paul, we get from Jesus, that's not bad news. It's good news. It's hope-filled news. The battle with anxiety doesn't mean that you're not a Christian. You're in a war. You will will struggle with the enemy's hand grenades against your trusting in God until the day you die. Expect it. But that you battle. That you battle with the scripture, that you battle in prayer with the word of God. That's the evidence You're in the army. 
of Jesus. You're his. That's really good news. Listen to how King David fought Psalm 56, verse 3. He said, When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. He did not say, I never struggle with fear or anxiety. He assumes it. When, when I am afraid. When the enemy's fiery darts of anxiety are shot at me, I turn to the Lord. That is the Christian life. The Apostle Peter said, fight it this way in 1 Peter 5-7. By taking what you do have, anxieties, taking them. This is the life of the Christian. Taking them and throwing them, casting all of your cares and anxieties on Him because He cares for you. Not generally. By name. Intimately. He cares for you. Every single person in this room has experienced sinful anxiety in the past month, if not week or day. And the root of it is unbelief in us who are believers, who are justified by our saving faith that he produced in us. It's unbelief. It means at that moment, you're not trusting God. And something that he said to us and promised us in this book, Paul is saying, your Christian life is about dealing with the root. What you're not trusting in. That God has promised to you. In the Holy Scripture. And he's saying. You're taking those promises. Praying. With thanksgiving. The Lord is at hand. He's very near to you. Paul says. Do not be anxious in anything, but in everything. By prayer, as you bring the word of God and his promises to him. And supplication, with thanksgiving, 
Let your request be made known to God in the peace of God, which, which surpasses any rational explanation and understanding, will be like a guard over your, over your heart, over your mind. So before I close, let me just let me flesh that out in just a few real practical examples. We have just heard the Lord Jesus from Matthew 6. And Jesus was clear, therefore, about the anxiety of finances, which bring to us the basics of life. I gotta, I gotta feed and clothe my children, which is going to include I gotta pay rent or or, or pay the mortgage and buy the electricity or kids' sports, or I gotta pay more money, not taxpayer money, in order to school my kids so I keep them away from the cesspool of the government indoctrination of our day. And all of that causes anxiety, it rises up in us. And so let's be honest with our Lord. Jesus says, Job, oh you of little faith this day. But he doesn't leave it there. Jesus, nor the rest of the scripture, leaves it just there. You just have little faith. Uh. But as Jesus was doing, he says, don't you know? Your father has this. Look at the lilies. Look at the birds. And to him, as made in his image and redeemed, chosen by him, you are much more valuable. Let your faith grow. Trust the promise in order not to continue in anxiety today. That's how it works. The promise empowers the command. If I were to say to Caleb, Caleb, if you don't eat that sugar-free popsicle on this hot day, and you really want it right now, and sugar-free is they're not that good. If you don't eat that popsicle, I promise you, in one hour, I will give you a full, large bowl of your favorite ice cream filled with sugar. The more that he takes that promise seriously and meditates on it, that's the power to reject the popsicle of anxiety. And so Jesus says, your heavenly father he knows that you need them all. Do you trust him? Seek first the kingdom of God. First. Don't ever let the worries and the basic necessities of life push away. As a Christian, what is to be first? In seeking 
his rule and reign over your life. It's seeking his righteousness being worked in you. Or, say for instance, you have a job interview tomorrow and you are nervous, anxiously, uncomfortably nervous. Take something like Isaiah 41.10. Simply commit it to memory. You internalize it. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteousness right hand. So you take that with your supplications, praying with a heart of thanksgiving and Paul says the peace of God will flood your soul. Say you have relational problems, a breakdown with someone at work or others in the family or they really are backbiting or want to do you harm and it's causing you anxiety. Take Romans 8.31. What then shall we say to these things? The gospel from eternity past to your eternity future as a loved one of Jesus. What shall we say to these things? Here's, here's the answer. And it, it, it's, it's rhetorical. If God is for us, who could be against us? And you know what comes after that. Paul could have kept writing, and he basically said, anything but any possible discomfort or evil or uh, unwelcomed experience of life that causes us to be anxious. Nothing can ultimately succeed. Can kill you, but can succeed in separating you from the love of God in Christ. Isn't that what Paul meant? By cloak everything. Because that's true. The opposite of anxiety is peace. And that's the promise of our text. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known unto God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding it will be a guard over your heart and over your mind and over your thoughts let's pray Lord Jesus, may your words, may your apostle Matthew recorded for us, 
We pray that they live in us in deeper and more powerful ways than ever before in this coming week and month and year. Oh, I pray that the power of your word indwelling us with the power of your spirit applying it bring peace like a river flooding our souls. Even at times when the storms around us keep raging the glory of your holy name in your good, loving, sanctifying work in us.